Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Anakin Chelsea podcast. Ah, it's been a long, epic journey, but this is season one's finale. I hope you've enjoyed the season. I'm not going to do a big emotional speech, but um, yeah, today I had a really good um, conversation with Mr. Joe Tweedy. He's today's guest. We do, uh, I suppose we dissect the season and try and speculate what's happening in the future for Chelsea. A difficult subject. Anyway, let's get straight into it. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Anacon Chelsea podcast. Indeed, the finale to my debut season. And for the finale, I'm delighted to say I'm joined once again by Joe Tweedy. How you doing, mate? Yeah, really well, particularly after last night. So yeah, um, very, very happy. And uh, as you spoke a little bit beforehand, two days off in Denmark. So I've, uh, I've got plenty of time to celebrate it. Yeah, that's Joe's way of saying he's hungover. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit too much champagne, but yeah. That's all good, mate. I, you know, I, I was um, watching on. I, I wanted to go and watch it in Fulham, but instead I, I watched it in my hometown and on a big projector screen with some mates. And um, uh, none of them really would actually watched it with a, a sort of a semi Chelsea fan and an Arsenal fan. So um, as soon as full time uh, came at the end of the match, they all went. But I was like, no, I want to watch him lift the trophy. So it was just me by myself <laughs> with like extra two beers. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, thanks for coming on, Joe. It's um, it's gonna be a fun episode, usual format as the listener knows it. But well, we're gonna we're gonna look back and re- review in part one, and then we'll well, I guess we'll do some a lot of guesswork in part two to sort yep. of yeah to look in the great beyond of Chelsea, the uh, the, the uncertainty. But um, so let's let's look back. I mean, on paper. From this season, you know, cup finalists losing on penalties, third place um, in the Premier League and European Cup final winning convincingly. People will look back on the sort of those tangibles of this season and be like, oh, it's a really good season, all things considered. But it was a rough ride on the way. Um, certainly the league finish was kind of a bit of a shit show it wasn't like a well fought third finish but um how would you personally reflect back on the season um in terms of I mean, we'll get into the nuances of the players and the coach and stuff but generally looking back are you happy with how things have ended yeah I mean I think again you know what one of the sort of litmus tests to me is you know when you look back at the start of the season if you just said you know third place and and, and winning the Europa League, I think the majority of people would have been incredibly happy with that. And, and I think, you know, as we mentioned, the mm. the sort of the path from or the journey from A to B has maybe been a little bit kind of tumultuous at times. But mm. I think realistically, you know, looking back in the just in the context of this season, the 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 fact that we've won another European trophy, finished third, um, you know, however that sort of happened. I mean, but it, it's still, you know, on paper, the the, the, the finish is third back in the Champions League where, where Chelsea belongs and, you know, where they, they need to be really going forward to both attract the calibre of players that we want, but also just to, I think it's it's a level that this club deserves to be at. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, looking back, I mean, again, some some ups and downs, but I, I, I don't think really, and I, to, be, to be honest, I think you would have to have an incredibly stubborn and, and, and probably a little bit obstinate agenda at this point to not be happy really with, with what's been produced, yeah. as I said. Someone who you know is is very much in the details and is maybe not the the greatest fan of sorry. I am you know very very happy with with the season. Yet there's a big gap between us, City and Liverpool. But you know that's that's what we have to work on to close. But third place Europa League trophy. I don't think you can have any complaints. 
Certainly not. Um, I was talking to um, to Rick Glanville the last episode, and he spoke of the sort of the the, the linear, I guess, narrative storyline of the season. If it happened, maybe the other way around. If if Sari came in underperformed, but was, but was like somehow didn't get sacked early doors and then the former came the second part of the season and then, you know, people would probably view it a bit differently but the fact is it, it didn't happen like that. Um, and, you know, apart from a wonderful ending in, in the, the London derby in Baku. But there is there is a lot of, like, nuance to it. Like, for me... Yeah. I, I, there is obviously... There's the, a lot of, I guess, the, the majority of the listeners um, would, would all be very lucid to the sort of the divide in fans and stuff and I've tried to sit quite comfortably on the fence and I, I still I still don't really know what's best I mean yeah. I I've very, I got really frustrated with the coach um, overly honest doesn't even if when you look at Conte well not so much Conte certainly Jose is a prime example the way he tries to adhere himself to the fans and when he did this with Manchester United is a perfect example. I don't think he had a true romantic bond with the United fans. I just think he's such a tactical manager that he was doing it for his own good. Um, Sorry, to his detriment, didn't do that. He didn't try and do a sort of tactical false, maybe false bond, but you know, he's, he's, he was too honest to his own detriment, I think. And it's like he always was... he. He's, it's like he was he remains the bank manager sort of um figure doesn't he it, it, it's not he he doesn't get involved with an emotional club that is chelsea chelsea like having this bond with their coaches and i feel like he for for a lot of reasons he will never potentially be right for chelsea in that respect um but looking back now like i i i, I I'm still like completely on the fence. I'm not one of these what they call sorry cultists because I absolutely feel like he's got so many incompatibilities with Chelsea Football Club. But at the same time, I look at the tangible results and respect that. And I'm not sure. I'm trying to think what is for the good of the club moving forwards. I mean, we'll go into this in in, in detail. But do you, do you think, in terms of looking back retrospectively, he would have done himself, you know? Someone like yourself who has some reservations, probably I, I imagine due to his tactical inflexibility. But mm. w- would you have felt better if he presented himself differently to fans? I think so. Um, I mean, I think the the way that this kind of era of Chelsea has been set up, and it's very much in that sort of early image of Jose Mourinho when he first came into Chelsea. He mm. created this incredible kind of us versus them mentality mm-hmm. and I think that, that that collective us that collective we I think is is stronger I think for Chelsea fans than it is at maybe other clubs and mm. I think that's something that Mourinho cultivated you know rightly or wrongly for me it's a right thing because I, I feel that there's an attachment with us as fans to players and I feel that's also reciprocated it's no surprise that even you know players going back into the 90s and beyond that mm. have such incredible kind of feeling towards Chelsea and I think a lot of that is it's a bit of a unique bond that we have as fans. And I th- again, you know, when a, a manager comes in who's a little bit kind of laissez-faire, who is a little bit sort of maybe maybe not so much involved in, in let's say, playing the political or the PR game, mm. I think that has potentially counted against him. And again, whether that's entirely logical or not, you know, it's one of those things. But I think he would have had a, an easier time from fans. And let's not forget the first part of the seasons, he, he was getting his name chanted at Stamford Bridge. You know, yeah. it's not just like 
the fans turned on him from day one. No, of course, yeah. I think that there needs to be some sort of to and to and fro with, with the manager, particularly during tough times. You know, it's mm. easier to find a manager who has at least attempted to try and form a connection. Mm. You know, when you're going through some of these rough patches and, and maybe some of the criticism that then filter through to players like Jorginho and some of our other players that the side was attached to, maybe that doesn't happen because mm. you're given the benefit of the doubt. So, you know, the, the PR game, it, it's it's kind of one of those products of, of modern football that's not necessarily great but you know some of the best managers in the world are, are the best PR managers I mean look yeah. at Pep Guardiola you know you can see he's almost got an innate sense of when the camera's on him when to start performing with players and stuff like yeah, that and, yeah. and Klopp, fans, Klopp fans as well get, you know, Klopp exactly you know yeah. and, and fans really get behind it and they, they buy into the manager they buy then you know they then buy into what they're doing so you know I, again I think people will, will have their views on, on the manager but you know if he'd have had a little bit more of a, a PR angle um, about his sort of personality and then perhaps some of the level of, of vitriol and, and maybe distaste and, and some of the things that were said against him, maybe it doesn't get to that level if he has a little bit more engagement, but maybe that's just a, a, a facet of modern fandom that, that some managers are going to have to get used to regardless of, of, of where they come from. Yeah, because it sounds trivial, but but it's a, it is truly a salient point, isn't it? Especially like yeah. what, what you said with, with Chelsea. Um because that's what kind of made us great. I've had you on the pod before, and and you spoke of um what you deemed as Chelsea nurse and stuff. And re- regardless mm. to how anyone feels about Sari, I feel like he'd probably well, I feel like he has done a good job, and he probably would be a, a good person to at least maybe have for another season, maybe not. But they they're just that as much as I do have certain affections to him just because I like his story uh, it's not again that story might be not one appropriate for Chelsea but he is just like you know um a Sunday league banker coach who just a bit of a football nerd and he just 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 wanted to do his job and get things done you know I, I saw that picture that you tweeted of him looking at his medal and there you can't help but think yeah like you know what well, you know he did it do you know what I mean like he's done it um yeah. But regardless to all of that, as much as I do like his story and I'm pleased he came to Chelsea ultimately, I struggle to to see him really fitting Chelsea. And and me is like a bit of like a, I try and be measured in every sense and, and look at it. And one might say that if you're going to be truly measured, you need to be like, well, he's done a good job and let to have him for another season. But as a that, that's what maybe a neutral would say. But as... A Chelsea fan that's like loved Chelsea for a long time. It, if you look within, it is very difficult to see him being like a a, a true Chelsea great manager. Yeah. It, it just it just seemed like a project that was interesting. We had talented players. He has a, a footballing philosophy, um, and 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 indeed an approach with players that you know that seems quite good. You know, I thought they. The, that pre-match presser when he's saying he loves the players he went he went through an emotional journey with them you know he locked him in the dressing room when he lost 4-0 to Bournemouth he was at a despair with them he was undermined by Kepper at the cup final he always said he can't motivate them and he was like going to the media like I don't want to fucking deal with this lot do you know what I mean but it does yeah. seem like they went they went through the wars in an emotional journey and actually probably came out better for it which is like a nice there is a sort of, probably something that we won't know from the outside, but there is, I think, probably a nice romanticism to their own little mini journey. Um, I think he has got a good relationship with Hazard. And by the end, the way he talks about Callum Hudson-Odoi, like, 
you know, when, when people were asking him about him hounding him every week, he was like, yes, he's good. But he always wanted to talk about Ampadu as well. He bloody loves Ampadu. But by, by the end, he was sort of had a little cracking little smile talking about Callum like he's a good boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I, I think there's a camaraderie there now. But to, to sort of finish my mini rant, regardless to, to all that, I just feel like... I don't want to say he was the wrong fit because we did we did well in the end, but I just struggled to to see us really having a, a good compatibility moving forward. Would would you agree with that? And um, I mean, we will do this to death in the part two. But is it is he something that you feel like looking back could go on with, or do you do you feel like it's just not in his interest to stay as well? That's probably a big question. Yeah, um, I think potentially, I mean, there's there's two things that, that can be true here, that he can be a very good coach and very good manager, but also not a fantastic fit for Chelsea. Yeah, that's kind and of I my point. That, for, yeah, yeah and I think that's what some people kind of struggle to to evaluate, is that if you don't think that he's the right fit for Chelsea, that, you know, that you automatically think that he's this sort of horrific coach, you know, that's that's not necessarily true. I, I just feel that, yeah, with, with Chelsea, that... Just it's not the, easy time thing, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's the thing. It, it's it's not an easy club to to sort of come in and, and manage and sort of just apply your kind of, you know, what worked here that must work at, at Chelsea kind of ideas. And mm. I think over the course of the season, I, I think the, the thing you mentioned earlier actually is, is interesting is that, you know, we, we started off the season playing pretty well, but got progressively kind of worse and, mm. and, and kind of faltered and stumbled towards the sort of third place finish. That, that that to me is a sign of, of, of maybe just things are not working, you know, mm. and, and yeah. it could be a sign that, yeah, we've got good enough players and, and, and you know, he can organise them in a way that we're potentially going to be sort of in, in the, the kind of mix sort of over the course of the, the next few seasons. But it, it seems to be like the more that we've spent time with him, the more that his ideas have been applied, the more time he's had with the players, the, the kind of more predictable we've come mm. um, and, and just sort of, yeah, yeah, there, there, there were just elements to, to I think that sort of, narrative as it's unfolded across the season that, that make me feel a little bit uncomfortable with with someone being charged whether he's the the, the right face as well I know it's yeah. a, again it's a fairly it's, fairly subjective and maybe a fairly kind of it is and it mid- isn't it's trivial but it isn't yeah. at the same time yeah right? exactly yeah. It, it, with Chelsea it's you know it's kind of the right the right face you know the right face that fits and mm. maybe so kind of his personality and as you say very open and truthful and 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 yeah, it, that that whole side of it, I think maybe is, is not something that necessarily yeah. fits at Chelsea. Club. Yeah. It's a little bit more sort of clandestine in how we operate, and mm. you know things a bit more behind closed scenes, and and less less outwardly kind of, you know, sort of I suppose confrontational or emotional. And I think the the one thing again is just you know the, the relationship with with match going fans is is going to be problematic. And I, I know that that yeah. will be something that the club will pay attention to. Is regardless of of, of what you know, fans around the world and think of sort of match going support, they have a huge influence, you know, because mm. because they're the guys in the stadium supporting the side. And I think that the club will will have noticed this season that there is a, a huge, uh, there's a huge gulf between the, the sort of opinions on Sari. Um, mm. and, and some of it, I think, you know, as you mentioned, there's a little bit is, is facilitated by his lack of kind of HR or HR, sorry, PR <laughs> yeah. um, sort of action. Had um, yeah. could be HR as well. We don't yeah, I was going to say point, we but, could uh, go on that. Yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, could, could, could be HR. Less less of uh, Conte and uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting one because I think you're right. There are 
there are some intangible qualities I think that you associate maybe with a Chelsea manager, mm. and I think some of uh, just some of Sarri's personality. And I think a lot. I, I don't think necessarily it's a negative on on Sarri. It's I think just he's, like, his openness and his it's a positive thing. But yeah. um, that and some of those characteristics that sort of underpin that I think are maybe things that that yeah, as I said before, maybe maybe the face doesn't fit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a compatibility issue. I think personally, um, if I was him, I. I mean, uh, Mar- Marco of uh, Mark War was t- tweeted. Uh, he was uh, said something on Twitter that he'd um he'd been in Italy and he was talking to various different Italian football fans from different clubs. And he's actually um he's actually like what quite worshipped in Italy, uh, heralded really highly as a sort of tactical genius, kind of like the Pep Guardiola of Italy. Perhaps that's due to his compatibility to Italian football. I think we probably both agree. Yeah. Both agree that's the case. Um. So he knows how he's held in such a high regard over there, um, regardless to the, the rivalries of Naples and, um, you know, Torino or Juventus or whatever. Um, he uh, he might get, I'm sure you've seen, he, the Bruce Buck was pictured having dinner with Juventus uh, representatives in Baku. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. Yeah. 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 So um, if I was him, I'd... Go to Juventus because <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like a. I mean, really, it's a promotion. He Hazard. Um, we'll talk about shortly. Um, but he's he's gonna have lost his best player, and instead he could be coaching a, a Cristiano Ronaldo um, with a Dybala and you know whatever other top tier players at Juventus, and he's gonna guarantee yeah. Scudetto. So, in a way. I'll get your thoughts in just a second, but in a way, you could have used Chelsea as a stepping stone to that, but a difficult stepping stone, you know. That's a hard route. He went to the Premier League and won a European trophy and got a podium finish rather than maybe winning a cup in Napoli and everyone wants his sorry mm. ball to go to Juventus. So he came here, he, you know, sharpened his English up. He went for a fucking difficult emotional journey and came out... I, 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 if I remembered, if I could remember the quote from Shawshank Redemption <laughs> from Morgan Freeman, yeah. when he talks about uh, what's, what's his name going for a uh, t- uh, Andy Dufresne, Andy Dufresne going for a tunnel of shit and coming up clean on the other side. It's something like that, right? Anyway, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. shame I but I I uh, butchered that, but hopefully the listener gets the uh, gets the gist. Um, yeah, so and then you know. It goes to Juve, gets his gets his um, Scudetto trophies, probably two or three, and happy ending for him. Hopefully, he doesn't go and immediately win the Champions League. That would be a little bit frustrating. <laughs> but um, w- w- if you're sorry, do you go to Juventus? Oh, a hundred percent, yeah. And mm. I, I think one of the, one of the really interesting things I think that that a lot of people say, you know, when Chelsea comes to attracting managers in the future and all this sort of stuff, who would want to come here? I mean, you look at managers that have left the club, even in, in, let's say, you know, less than kind of perfect circumstances. Mm. They've always gone on and had pretty decent jobs elsewhere. You know, mm. it's not like you know, kind of the definite AVB. He might have murdered his career and went on to manage Tottenham. Obviously, Benitez is at Newcastle. Mm-hmm. You know, Mourinho was was horrific in that in that last season at Chelsea. Went on to become the Man United manager. So, well, yeah. you know. Mm. It, it, it's not kind of like the, the death knell that I think people have, are making it out to be. And I think if I'm sorry, yeah, I mean, you're reading today that he, you know, has an offer on the table from Juventus, but also uh, AC Milan have, have kind of come in last minute from as well. So and it seems to have the the pick of the bunch, really, when it comes to Italian clubs. And again, you know, if, if you're looking at a a style of play that, that works in Italy, I mean, I mean, you can imagine how well he could potentially do with 
with a Juventus or with an AC Milan with investment with with mm. more money players with because, a transfer yeah no yeah, transfer ban with, yeah, yeah no transfer ban with a transfer budget you know that that Napoli side was was not built on uh, you know 30 40 50 million pound purchases it was most of it was to do with his his coaching so if he goes mm. to Juventus and he's got some money to spend or Milan with, with some money to spend I mean mm. course, what why, why would you not want to go there and I, I can't remember if it was uh, if it was Matt Law or one of the one of the other journalists that has a bit of a bit of an in at Chelsea was sort of mm-hmm. suggesting that Sari is is you know he, he seemed like he was okay to stay but now that was sort of on the condition that the club kind of contested the transfer ban and that we were able to sign players in the summer so mm. the fact that it almost appears now that the club are are quite willing to accept to the ban it, also yeah. made yeah exactly is is kind of has kind of uh, made Sari's decision up for him he obviously wanted to invest in players this summer if he doesn't have the capability of doing that doesn't feel then like he's is going to be able to make the sort of strides for that he probably wants to next season. Then, of course, you're you're, you're going to go and take the the biggest job in Italy, and really, who can blame him? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, such is the curious case of Maurizio Sarri at Chelsea. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all right, so uh, let's talk about players. Um, for I mean, it's such a. I don't want to spend too long on this, so I'll sort of reel through. Um, I I've, we've had a discussion about Jorginho before. I, I'm a I'm a big yep. fan of uh, Jorginho. I know you weren't particularly impressed with him, but um, would you? I pose you the question: Would you believe he's he's picked up form in the latter part of the season? Uh, he's obviously started well when he had it all his own way, but the last few games uh, in the final as well, you know, he he completely crushed uh, Ozil in that in that final game. So um, you know, you happy for? Would you be happy for? Jorginho to stay because I I am of the inclination that if we made him available, I think Guardiola would snap him up. To be honest, personally, um, I mean on, on that particularly from from some agent friends I've heard in football, I've heard that that, that door's closed. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, in terms of in I'm, terms I'm of just Guardiola. echoing I'm just echoing what Pat Nevin said on football uh, football daily this yeah. morning. <laughs> For God, yeah, yeah, I mean it, it's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, I still have I still have reservations about him as as a lone holding player in mm. the Premier League. And again, if Sari, but that might if change, Sari does so. go, if he mm. stays. Then he's he will be a defensive midfielder. He won't be a regista or deep line playmaker, whatever terminology you want to use. So mm. I do have reservations about that. Mm. I do think that he has performed better probably the last two months. Mm. Um, you know, in terms of his performances, I still don't think I've seen maybe a a complete ninety minute performance from him. I've, I've seen him play halves where he's been exceptionally good. Mm. Um, what I want from him, and just to be convinced, and this also comes down to the transfer fee. I mean, let's not forget he's probably the most expensive holding player in world football. You know, we're, we're yeah. not sort of holding yeah. him up to the standards of like inter- ten five. Yeah. You know, five. I mean, he doesn't play there for so, Italy though. So, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. re- I'm reluctant to just box him in to a holding player because he plays further up for Italy as you know as a yeah you know a a fast I'd like to just call him like a fast thinking central midfielder midfielder, yeah (laughs) yeah 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 but um so that's going to be for me that's going to be interesting because I I still feel for for the amount that we paid for him Mm. and you know specialization of the role I, I think generally against better opponents for me that, that's where I'm judging him. I mm. judge our top players against how they do against top opposition. And, you know, Ozil, you know, for me, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those people that particularly rates him. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. he was a bit different 
<laughs> when they put Ramsey on him. So, yeah. but I, I think last night, just, just in isolation, I thought he was great. And the reason he was great was because in that position, I didn't really notice him. Yeah. You know, like he, it's one of those that's things, what I want. Yeah. Mm. Keep, 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 the, keep, the, you know, keep the game moving, keep the game flowing. I think when he's at his best, yeah, he'll play some some nice passes, but it's just when you don't notice him because that means that everything's working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's that it's that ability to be so in control of the game that you're just you're just so fluid and people mm-hmm. just don't notice you. Okay. That's what I think last night because I was actually got to a point where I think he played one really nice pass over to was it second half might have been towards Pedro or, or, or someone on the right hand side, and that's mm. the first time I really noticed him, and that and that for me is is key. That's yeah. why I used to love Mikel or Makaleli and these sorts of players because you know if, if you if you start to notice them in possession it either means that they're kind of dwindling on the ball or they're sort of going full Hollywood in terms of their passing um, yeah, like Cesc I think defensively just just how he kept the game moving for me last night was was very impressive and, and to do it in a final again you know as I said I've been someone who's been very critical of him yeah. to play that way in the final I think for me that was a, it's a testament good He's a uh, very good player. Yeah. The, Ita- the Italian Michael Carrick. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> who, to be honest, like if if Sari goes to Juve and some, you know, we'll discuss what happens. What happens to Chelsea? We might end up just flipping yeah. him and making even ten million on him. So you, you don't know what's going to happen with that. Mm. Um, okay, well, um, a couple of other players. I don't. Want, I don't want to spend too long on them, but I think we yep. both agree. Kepa Riza Balaga success this season. I think it's been a success, yeah. I mean, again, when you're talking about a goalkeeper coming in first season, um, you know, there are so many goalers who have a, a, a much worse season than Kepa who go on to become very good. Um, and I think I would say another player who towards the end of the season's form kind of kind of improved quite a bit. Mm. Still think, I mean, speaking to, to Clayton Beerman, who obviously is mm. Chelsea fan class member, but who has been a goalkeeper. I think his son's a goalkeeper. He's He's pretty good at sort of spotting goalkeeping type Yes, um, actually, yeah. it's just said he, you know, it's just a little bit on his footwork. Mm. You know, sometimes it's uh, crossing of the feet instead of just sort of shuffling side to side. Mm. Sometimes his sort of speed laterally is, is something that will help him as a smaller goalie mm. to get to some of those uh, shots that maybe he he can't he hasn't saved. Maybe you might expect him to get a fingertip too. But I think in general mm. he's been um, he's been very good, and I, I hope you know if he continues to improve that that transfer fee will, will not look like a a big outlay yeah. in a couple. Well, that's test. That's another testament to him being good. The fact how that hasn't been a headline this season, like world's most expensive keeper does blunder or something. You know, the fact how yeah. we've, we've evaded that all season, and you know, yeah. he. I can't remember if I was saying to Rick last episode or, or one before. I was saying he 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 seems committed. He seems all in. He knows Chelsea's a massive club, but he believes he deserves to be there. And by all accounts, he's applying himself. If you, I mean, I was at the bridge for the uh, semi-final, and he was so good in that penalty shootout. Yeah, and, um, he was. Yeah, yeah. And by all accounts, that was from him applying himself and learning from the last penalty shootout. So he's a young keeper. We've got yeah. him for another six years. It's been a, it's been a good start. So, uh, yeah, I think all Chelsea. The main thing with him yeah. is what he seems to have just such a great attitude. And like, mm. He's got a bit of presence as well. I know that yeah, the yeah, exactly. shouty thing with Sire was a bit out of character, but I, I think after that he grew. Yeah. I think a lot of young players might have shrunk and, and hid in the corner because, mm. you know, it was uh, look for him, but I think he's kind of taken that learn from it and, mm. and really kind of grown. I'm actually, seeing him now be 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 a bit of a personality at Chelsea, which Absolutely. is great because I think that's yeah. that's one of the things we we've lacked for a while. Yeah, and I really like how he's done an English interview already. I, I said this, yes. so I love that about players when they do English interviews quickly. You know, it always wound me up about Costa, um, but um. Yes, I'm very pleased with that. Uh, <laughs> good to see him in. Um, I don't want to really talk about Iguain because, you know, great career in his footballing career, but he's cooked for me. Um, 
a few yeah, nice. Less said the better. Yeah, the less said the better. No, I don't think there's any chance. I don't think we can even uh, keep him. So, you know, thanks for the brace against Fulham, wherever the fuck it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So to Kovacic, um, I think he, I've always said I think he's a very silky, good footballer, but I think he, the system fails him, and he fails the system often. Um, yeah. yeah, very good. Yeah, very good on the ball. Good at dribbling. Um, likes to put a tackle in. He's actually spat out some really good numbers in certain games this season. But um, it looks like we can sign him up. Um, maybe would you would you do that considering the transfer ban, or would you rather bring in a, a youth player? I mean, we'll talk about it a bit more next the next part. Yeah. What do you think in regards to Kovacic? Um, I think he, uh, like you, yeah, I think he's an he's an incredibly good footballer. Um, I think he'd be murdered to play against in sort of a possession game in training. I don't think you'd, you'd, you'd kind of get the ball off him. Mm. I question whether for the sort of money that I'm seeing thrown about for him, whether he really, whether he really does enough. He seems to be, for me, one of these sort of very modern midfielders who are great at, at sort of playing laterally and keeping the ball and looking very neat and tidy and very aesthetic, but really... You know, when you kind of want some some killer passing mm. or some some creativity or a bit of a bit of go forward, mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit lacking. And mm. you know, again, if we do have some money to spend this this summer, I mean, the the, the difference between him and maybe pushing someone like Mason Mount into that area, mm. I don't think that it's well. The way I put it is, I don't think he's 30, he's thirty forty million pounds better than Mason Mount, and that, that's that's the way that I judge yeah. sort of that sort of stuff. And I'd rather point. spend that money on on a forward, to be honest. So mm. uh, I think he, he's had an okay season. No, I think again he's one of these players who maybe suffers from from ex- people expecting him to be someone that he's not. Mm-hmm. You know, he's you know he's often been painted as this like I don't know kind of Galactico attacking midfield when probably he's just very much a possession based sort of central mm-hmm. midfielder. So maybe he's suffered a bit from that. But played 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 well in some big games for us this season. I think he yeah. was very good again last night. Mm. Um, again, goes goes back to Real Madrid with a trophy and and potentially uh, exactly. you know um, a move to a move to Italy. Looks like it's, it might also be on the cards for him. So yeah, yeah, very very good at home against City as well. He was um, really good. Um, just just quickly to finish on Kovacic, maybe say if Jorginho does follow Sari to Juventus, maybe the new coach comes in, plays a four two three one, and has Kante and Kovacic next to each other deep. That could be like a really nice uh, deep midfield, maybe. And then you know, in, in front of them, you have your, your maybe your Mounts, your Rubens, your Callums, or whatever, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, if we were to shift um, to, to sort of, as you say, more of a, a four-two-three-one, then I'd be, be quite happy to keep Jorginho. I think having him, him as sort of the slightly more attack-minded, maybe mm. uh, Danny Drinkwater of the Leicester winning season. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink, drink, Dino or whatever it is we can call yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think potentially Kovacic, Kovacic works then. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very much dependent on on obviously the the sort of coaching situation, whether Sarri is here or not, and, yeah. and who comes in and what sort of system they want to play. So, yeah. but I mean, my my overall instincts would say I think he's he's been okay, but but doesn't I don't think yeah. he warrants the outlay that Madrid would probably expect to get for him. Okay, um, all right. So I tell you what, we can we'll, we'll go back more into players and beyond. Um, probably in part two we'll talk about the squad um potential managerial situation and uh director of football role so um we'll come back in part two 
Hey guys, a quick halftime message from me, Jan. Just wanted to urge you guys to all check out my YouTube channel real quick, because if you're listening to this, which you are, I'd like to think maybe you enjoy my content and you might enjoy my YouTube channel. It's not exclusively Chelsea, but I do a lot of Chelsea stuff. I've done a couple of Chelsea videos recently. Uh, check me out on YouTube, Jan the Statman, on Twitter as well. You may as well check that out. So Jan the Statman, I'd really appreciate a subscription to my channel and like some videos and comment and all that. Anyway, back to part two. Welcome back to part two of Yannick on Chelsea, still here with Mr. Joe Tweedy talking Chelsea and in this part we're going to be looking forward and doing the, um, well, the difficult sort of uh, premonitions of how Chelsea is going or what direction Chelsea is going to go in but let's pick up where we, um, where we just were, Joe, speaking about players, um, let's talk about strikers. Olivier Giroud, I did a tweet earlier, since leaving Arsenal in the 18 months he's left Arsenal, he's won an FA Cup, a World Cup and the Europa League with being top scorer with 11 goals. Um, not a bad year and a half for the Frenchman. Um, are you pleased he signed an extension? Yeah, definitely. I, I think he he brings sort of a, a veteran presence to Chelsea that I think at times we, we miss. I think you know, he's by far Chelsea's best striking option at the moment in terms of, uh, maybe not so much in terms of being like a 20, 30 goal a season striker. I don't think that's ever really going to be him mm. in his sort of uh, kind of latter stage of his career, but he he links play better. He's a focal point for the attack. Mm. Seems to also be a very, very popular squad member as well. And I just think, yeah, you know, in, in terms of what he's, he's won, obviously since leaving, leaving Arsenal and actually what he's delivered at Chelsea, I think he's, he's been a really kind of a steep pickup from the club. You know, it, it's, it's one of those signings which which potentially can go one way or the other. And I think, you know, when we look back on if if or when he eventually leaves the club, maybe at the end of next season, I think he'll be looked back on as, as one of the players that's definitely contributed in a bit of a, a bit of a tough, you know, slightly tougher mm. patch for the club in terms of delivering trophies. So yeah, I'm a player that I've I've liked to watch this season, particularly, you know, when he's he's on top of his game, his link up player, I think he's excellent. Mm. The way he holds up play. And I, I I do like a striker that you can cross the ball into. So mm. and I think for me personally it's uh it's, it's a good use of a, of an option on his contract. Bit of a um mini cult hero really, a bit like um yeah. would you say shades of like a Nelka or something like that? <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. 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 I mean I think he's um He's, he's definitely sort of up there. I mean, again, as, as an option to come off the bench or to start in, in big games as, you know, sort of the physical presence up front, mm. I think he, he's more than kind of met his, uh, you know, the, the requirements when we signed him. So, yeah, definitely sort of one of the players that's up there. Mm. And obviously, we, we love it when we take someone from Arsenal and they go on to, to win trophies. Oh, here. So, man. there's, there's that. Well. A, a recurring theme. Um, yes. Okay, so we, I, I want to pick your brain and we'll talk about, you know, we'll come back to strikers sure. with, with different options of loan options and sorry loanies rather and youth and stuff but um because that's looking forward but um I didn't we didn't cover it in the part two but obviously it deserves a discussion when when you said link up probably the the most uh, best link up would have been with the Belgian wizard himself um it does I mean he said his goodbyes yesterday obviously um shock horror but um I I thought it was actually really good at that that sort of um reporter I mean, it, people yeah. could have viewed that as a negative, but he was like, look, mate, <laughs> do you know what I mean? He put a microphone yeah. in his face and was like, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, come on, mate, come on. No, it's time. Come on, say it. He's like, you could tell it's Eden was squirming, but he was like, yeah, this is goodbye. Yeah. Um, needed to say it. Um, 
I mean, a few, we could wax lyrical for, for hours, but you know, I've, I've tweeted statistics about his statistical output or how many man of the matches. I won't echo them on here, but the point being, possibly Chelsea's most talented footballer, um, absolute. I, I, the, you know, the way the way he's conducted himself. Some people have critiqued, but I actually think he the way he spoke about dreaming about Real Madrid. He was always very honest. He never down tools. He he obviously had an agreement with the club, and he he did his best, and he's carried us on his back. So, um, is there is a you know, would you agree with those sentiments? I'm sure you would. Is there anything you'd like to add on uh, on Eden Hazard? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the things I love about him, and and, and I should qualify this first by saying someone I'm I'm also equally a lover of, of stats and data as well. So this isn't really a, a shot at anyone who who's no, inclined no, that way. That's but right. yeah. I think Hazard in in today's game, he's one of the few players is that you don't need an Excel spreadsheet to show that he's a great player. No, he's an entertainer. You know, when I'm looking at uh, people... Exactly, he's an entertainer, but, you, you know, the style of how he plays, his, his sort of skill set and stuff like that. Sometimes when I see these comparisons between him and Mohamed Salah and all these other players, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's always goals and assists, you know, mm-hmm. it's always goals and assists. But, you know, it's very easy for me to describe Hazard as a player without looking at data, without looking at statistics. But if I'm looking at Mohamed Salah, I'm like, yeah, he's a goal scorer. He's you know, a he weapon, yeah, goals. he's just a weapon. He's a yeah. weapon, you know, yeah. he's a goal scorer. I'm not talking about his his incredible bursts, his, his skill, ability to beat multiple players, you know. Mm. I think it was Jamie Carragher who summed him up nicely this season. That goal he scored against West Ham, you know, he's the only player in the Premier League that can score that goal. Mm. And you can take all of, all of the, the goals and the assists and all this sort of stuff like that. But Hazard is one of a handful of players on the planet who are capable of, of that kind of goal, that kind of moment. And mm. I think, you know, as we go into next season, yes, this was by far probably, I think this is his best statistical season in terms of goals and assists at Chelsea. I mean, that's going to be incredibly hard to, to replicate. But mm. I think it's just just his overall play style for the past seven years. You know, he has been, I think as, as Cesc Fabregas put it last night, he he has been Chelsea's Chelsea's Messi. And, you know, people might have laughed at that and may laugh at that still. But, mm. Now he is a player that the, the players look to and the fans look to in moments of of need and in, in big games and in, in big moments. He's the guy that, that people have looked to 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 deliver. And yet, you know, he hasn't had the the benefit of playing in in some of the best Chelsea sides, you know, that, that we've had to, together. And I think one of the, the strange criticisms I've always seen of him is that you know people feel that he's been he's been inconsistent. And and you know, this is someone who's grown up watching some of the best Chelsea sides play. You know, Lampard, Jobber and Terry were not 10 out of 10s every game. You know, mm. as much as, uh, you know, Rose sort of, you know, blue-tinted glasses will tell you this. You know, they had bad games. They didn't play well in certain games as well. Mm. But we've had, for, for these people who all sort of seem to hold him to this this kind of other standard, you know, that, that, that that's one of the criticisms. I've never quite understood that about, about the perception. But I think he leaves, to me, as, as Chelsea's probably most gifted and most talented footballer. Um, probably... For me, now entered the conversation for one of Chelsea's Chelsea's greatest players, um, yeah. both in terms of he's won here, but also the fact that he's often been the main guy in 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 title wins or in winning trophies. He's been the main driving force behind it. Yeah. So, you know, he, he leaves I think as well, and also leaves in a good moment as well. I think that was one of the things that I did respect about him was that when he said, you know, if he does leave Chelsea, it would always be on the back of winning something big, yeah. whether that's a league, whether that's a big trophy in Europe. You know, it wasn't going to be sort of a, a Thibaut Courtois situation where he kind of skulks off into the night. Yeah. You know, I'm happy that he's been able to to go to Baku, be probably the best player on the pitch, deliver the trophy, deliver Champions League football, mm. and it's kind of left you know left Chelsea in a in a good state going forward. Obviously, transfer ban aside, but le- you know leaving well, us back the in the Champions League. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Exactly. You made, you made so some. He's, me, he's done his bit. 
Yeah, I mean, you yeah. made some excellent points there. If it's, it's, it's kind of nice how he bookended his um, Chelsea career of Europa League titles because he, yeah. he didn't get to play in the final when he first arrived. So to be the main man in the final when just before he leaves, I think there's a certain nice romance to that. And um, something, yes. el- something else that you said about how that goal he scored against West Ham, there's only a few players in the world that score that kind of goal. I think, okay, <laughs> so I need to... Do a disclaimer, Hazard isn't as good as Messi or Ronaldo, but in terms of stylistically, I think there's only yep. two, two I think there's only two players that score that goal, and I think it is Messi, Messi and Hazard. You know, the the sort of top tier dribbling magicians, you know. Ronaldo's an absolute monster and scores world class goals, but he's he's different stylistically, you know. He won't because yep. cause of how Hazard and Messi are built physically, um that's you know, that's what they're able to do. Um, and, you know, people would slate me or get pelters for that. And I'm not saying he's as good as Messi. I'm just talking about a top-tier dribbling down-the-middle goals yeah. between a... I, I think he's, 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 he's absolute magic. And, you know, people... He's been the benchmark over the last seven years. Good players have come and gone, whether it's Ozil, De Bruyne, Sterling, yeah. Salah. <laughs> it's always him. It's always him. So, yeah, he absolutely deserved a few minutes for us talking to him. And... um I've said, I think I've said it on the last pod. Um, I, I mean, I generally fucking hate Real Madrid. <laughs> personally. But, but I said this and I'll say it again. Obviously, Hazard loves Chelsea. He dreams of going to Madrid, so he's going to go to Madrid. But he does love Chelsea. Everyone knows that. Everyone who's not a Chelsea fan knows that. So they'll probably. I, I'd like to hope there'll come a time in the next two, three years where. Hazard comes up against Tottenham in the Champions League for Real Madrid and there'll be a little twinkle in his eye <laughs> and he'll he'll maybe do bang that same goal that he that he did to knock Tottenham out of the the title race a couple of years ago you know he he yeah. he came out that season and said oh I don't want Spurs to win I don't want Spurs to win it and there'll be that little bit of Chelsea that won't leave it and Hazard and I'll, I'll always take great joy watching him play um, no matter who it's for um Cool. Right. So after that, after that sort of emotional roller coaster, let's talk about some <laughs> less exciting players. <laughs> um, Whole team. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No. Um, well, I wanted to go back on. I'll go back on to strikers because you talked about the senior figure of Giroud. Um, obviously, on the books, we've got Tammy, Batshuayi, and Morata. I think Morata would rather open up a hairdresser's than come back to um, come back to West yeah. London. Um, and you know he's he's a good footballer, Morata. He just doesn't suit the Premier League, so let him just go and do Spanish football. Um, so, what do you think? Do you think Tammy or Batshuayi or both have three strikers and just see who's better? What do you reckon? Is this assuming we the transfer ban is? Yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. This is exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. Because you know, I mean, we could yeah. we could just basically open up. Whatever the internet and start looking at yeah. you know, Verners and Jovic's and just for, for yeah. the sake of it, let's just think transfer ban. Sure. Um, see, I I'm of the opinion I, I think Tammy Abraham deserves a deserves a chance at Chelsea now. Um, mm. I, I don't think he's he's ever going to be the most I don't know maybe not the most prolific. That's probably one thing. I don't think he's ever going to be this this superstar forward that people want. But in terms of in terms of how Chelsea play. At the moment, Abraham may be the best suited player to, mm. to actually play up front because he is a 
he's a fox in the box. Mm, you know, a lot of these chances, yeah, you know, a lot of these chances that we've seen created this season that people have missed and blazed over. I, I genuinely think Abraham will, will slot most of them away. It's it's what he's done, you know, when he's had opportunities throughout throughout his career. Mm. He uh, probably more than most Chelsea players, and one of the things I, I've always really liked about him in interviews, his desire to play for Chelsea yes. is absolutely like relentless. Mm. He wants to do it for Chelsea. You know, his work rate, his work effort, his strength, you know, to hold the ball up now, his kind of link-up play, his ability to lead the line. Yep, sure, it's been in the Championship. Absolutely, you know, no questions about the the, the jump between Championship and Premier League. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there have been players who, who have not played particularly, or not played as well as him in, in, in league football and, and gone on to play particularly well. Harry Kane, Jamie Vardy, just, just to name two names, who, mm-hmm. who haven't had as much success as Tammy in, in league football and then obviously went on to become very, very good Premier League players came, you know, obviously an, an excellent Premier League player. So I think that, you know, if we're looking at someone to, to potentially spearhead the attack, I just just think that, you know, if we're going to if we're going to reward some of these younger players for actually going out and, and, and fulfilling their end of the bargain on loan, you know, I think he broke an Aston Villa goal scoring record or yeah. something like that this yeah. season as well. You know, then you've got to give them a chance because if, if you know, if kids are looking at Abraham going and winning promotion with Aston Villa, being like the, the main man for them, being sort of the you know the, the feature centre forward. If he can't then come back to Chelsea and get some opportunities, then I mean you know how how is how is anyone gonna gonna you know get promoted to yeah, to the course. first teams? Yeah, yeah. But and, I just think just for his effort and desire, and also just some of these sort of characteristics that he has, you know, I think he he's he's earned an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, he's you know younger than Marcus Rashford. Yeah, he scored more first team career goals than him. I know a different level, but. He's still coming up against, you know, horrible centre halves in the championship. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so exactly. um there's they're they're not gonna be any dirtier in the Premier League than they are in the championship, those those centre halves. And if if we've got more creativity coming into him, then why why can't he bank goals? It's just really it's just a higher um, you know, maybe a bit more sort of tactically aware centre halves moving around and maybe better goalkeepers. But I absolutely feel like he could deal with the physicality. He'll have no problem with drive and passion, as you've just said. And he'll be afforded the chances in a Chelsea side. So I agree with you. Um, a word for um, Michy Batshuayi. Um, the, the lovable, really unintimidating, which in itself probably is quite un-Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. Striker that no coach seems to fancy, potentially because of poor... Um, I think we discussed it before. Maybe information, like tactical retention. I don't know. Would you ever? Yeah. I think the the common the common thing that I hear from from sort of friends who work in football in terms of, of, of both scouts and, and agents and stuff when when looking at Batshuayi that there's there's one sort of common denominator and that's just that he's not very doesn't have a very high football IQ Dim. in and let's put it sort of that way in, in a nice way of putting it. You know, he <laughs> yeah, yeah. struggles to follow follow tactics. And now I mean you've got to think a lot of Premier League teams now press from the front and and that involves not just sort of running full pelt at someone, it involves obviously being aware of, of angles and, and you know combining with wingers. And there's a lot of sort of tactical information now that forwards need when they're when they're leaving the press. And I think that, that is something whether he just doesn't get it or just doesn't feel like he needs to, to, to sort of pick it up. It, it's one of the sort of the common criticisms of him is that just this this lack of buying to to tactical instructions is is not there. But I mean on, on the other side, you know, in terms of in terms of finishing ability, you know, he, he might be one of the best better players in the Premier League. And you know, I mean we've seen some of the the goals he's got for Palace, some of the finishes he's got at Chelsea. You know, if he gets time and 
was I saying that he just has the ability when he gets in the penalty area to create that little bit of space to get a shot off, and and that is is one of the most difficult things. It's just a question of Great you know finishing, whether you yeah. can you know you can fit that skill set into a side you know that that maybe de- depends on some sort of tactical now or tactical ability from from their centre forward. So you know again transfer ban you have to suggest that he comes back because he's a goal scorer, but. You know, depending on obviously who the manager is next season, I, I, it's going to be tricky for me to see him sort of, you know, usurping Abraham or even Giroud because of, mm. you know, the lack of ability to really follow a, a set pattern of play. Yeah, that's interesting. It, yeah. Yeah, well, that, it, who knows? It's, it's, a weird, it's a weird one because I think there is value in Batshuayi because he scores goals. But again, the old compatibility thing for Chelsea. Um a word on a few youngsters. Uh, we've spoken about um, Reese James before. Um, I think uh, I, I spoke to him, uh, Alex Goldberg on the podcast, and he sort of joked about saying they when when you know a teenage lonely right backs your player of the month. I don't know if he's their player of the season, but he was certainly their player of the month three months in a row. He was, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, there, there you go. And, and they, clean, clean sweep of the awards. <laughs> the, yeah, and he's a bloody teenage fullback, Loney. And they moved him into midfield, apparently, to prevent relegation. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, that, you know, he's, I think, I think, I mean, you, you might have some knowledge on this. Or I don't know, but it, it does look like that he's likely to be. Um, deputising for right back next season and who knows by the end of the season making that place his own what do you reckon yeah I, I see this a little bit as um, when when sort of Aspilicueta came into the club with, with Ashley Cole and there was this sort of uh, changing of the guard moment in the season when Aspilicueta kind of took over the left back spot full time mm. I think what, what Reese James has and, and I think again this is sort of testament to the fact that he can play in central midfield is that he has what I would consider to be the, the complete kind of modern fullback skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, he's incredibly comfortable on the ball. You know, he, he's, he's, I, I've said this maybe two years ago that he was the best crosser at the club. And I think this season that there's a, there's a particular highlight video with the first five minutes of just, just him shelling these unbelievable crosses into <laughs> yeah. the, into the box, you know, and, and a better team. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's on double figures and assists, you know, just on some of these ridiculous misses that they've made. Yeah. But in terms of his crossing, in terms of how he links up with wingers, both overlapping, underlapping. And then it's all sort of his skills that then you put it into sort of this absolute tank body that he has. You know, he's mm. built like an international rugby centre. He's just an absolutely mm. humongous frame as well. Good pace, really aggressive, you know. And obviously, you know, his his impact at Wigan has been been incredible. Obviously, was made captain for the last game of the season is sort of a yeah. kind of a nod to his, his impact at the club there. Yeah. One of the main reasons that they weren't relegated and I think his legacy there, one of the long-term sort of Wigan fans that I follow on Twitter, you know, wrote an article saying that he thinks he's the best player that's ever played for Wigan. You know I mean? Again, <laughs> talking about a, uh, a, a teenage fullback who's coming on loan. I mean, he's generally, he wasn't sort of like a, a piss take article. He was saying that he, he feels in terms of ability that, that Reese James yeah, no, is absolutely. the yeah, I mean, you know, the, the best player that he's ever seen play for Wigan, which is is pretty big. You know, we're talking about maybe not sort of some massive greats, but for, in terms of Wigan well, fans, yeah. they had Palacios when he was good, and Leighton Baines, and they've had some pretty decent players. So quite high praise. But oh, huge I, I just praise, think with yeah. yeah, I just think with James, he not only does he have, I think, the ability to be Chelsea's right back, but also an international fullback mm. as well. But he, he has a little bit of that Chelsea steel about him as well. I mm. think that you may be 
someone who could potentially captain the club in a couple of years' time. Well, that's something we've discussed before because he's come yeah. from he's come from that crop, hasn't he? Um, and bringing yeah. a, I think last time we spoke, we discussed about getting to get our density back. We have to blood some of these youngsters into the first team because their their camaraderie from years gone by will yep. start, you know, creating. Uh, partnerships again on the pitch and raising morale so that's he'd, uh, him and both Tammy would certainly um, certainly be part yes. of that um, as would to a degree a bit older but you know Ruben Loftus-Cheek um, I think you and me we don't really need to discuss it but I, I know the listener certainly knows how how positively I feel about those two players and if they've heard you talk on my pod before or different podcasts or different platforms um they'll know that you're you two are a big big fan of um Callum and Ruben um I yeah. I I from speculation I'm quite confident they both will re-sign long-term contracts at Chelsea would would you perhaps share that speculation or do you have any knowledge Yeah yeah I think I I'd, I'd agree um I think maybe the the injury for Callum has, has sort of forced his hand a little bit as well. But mm. I, I I would have been very disappointed if he'd gone to Bayern. I think now that at Chelsea, you know, particularly with the injury, maybe some of those high, very very high expectations will be tempered just a little bit to give him the time to mm. to sort of find his feet, get back to sort of the the form and become the player that I think he can. Um, I think Ruben's sort of you know progress this season has been astronomical. Um, going maker. from uh, yeah, right. Becoming a difference maker from central midfield, which is you know not a position even you know looking into Europe that really has a huge sort of amount of, of difference makers during games. Um, again, I think if he comes back from injury, I think potentially he's he's one of the first names on on the team sheet. Of, you know, assuming he obviously gets back into form, etc. But he's now, I mean, very very interesting. You know, starting to look at some of this this next crop of Chelsea youngsters coming through and. For listeners of the podcast, you know, if you're interested in academy football, you might want to just have a look or, or keep an eye on Chelsea's current sort of under-16s and under-15s team because I think that's going to be a generation of players that that maybe even surpass some of the, the players that we've seen recently. They are very, very talented boys in, yeah. in, in those sides. But watching them on social media and stuff like that, a lot of them now are looking at Ruben mm. as probably Ruben looked at John Terry. So he seems to have taken that kind of academy player mantle at the poster club. Poster boy, yeah. So he seems quite, yeah, yeah he's, he's sort of the poster boy. And a lot of these kids are now looking up to him as... As, as you know, obviously to JT. So that's that's some, also something that's quite nice about this season that he's become, you know, sort of maybe the the next JT for the club. Big, mm. big, 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 big shoes to fill. But you know, everything starts with baby steps. Of course. And uh, just to sort of link up two things we were discussing in terms of being that player, that in the entertainer, a difference maker. And you were talking about difficult from midfield being the difference maker, which he has been, but also being shades of maybe, dare I say it, Eden Hazard. Because um, he has got a silky touch. He can dribble, Ruben. You know, yep. he can Maradona roll around people and get in the box and, and curl it into the corner. So he can... I I truly think, even if he's not going to be this amazing mercurial wide attacker, I think he can pick up that mantle a little bit. And, um, you know, if, if we replace Hazard whether from within or eventually purchasing for replacing goals in terms of being that Chelsea player that we love, yeah. picks up the ball and does something magical and literally gets people out yeah. of their seats. I, I believe Ruben can do that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and no, I think just, just just building on top of that, in, in an era where, you know, I mean, you've probably seen some of the graphics that come out recently from some of these sort of statistics, guys, that there are more passings, more passes being made per game now than... Than, you know, than ever before. I think there was, you know, to start looking at the Champions League, there was 800 passes or something in the final 
between mm. United and Bayern in 1999, and it's going off into like the thousands now. So mm. in an era where teams are increasing passing, I, I think now the fact that Ruben would get the ball and dribble through, you know, dribble through the lines instead of, you know, passing the ball, he actually carries it past people. Mm. It, it changes the dynamic of how teams actually defend because teams are, are defending zonally, they're trying to defend passing lanes, they're trying to defend channels. And if Ruben rolls someone, I mean, immediately, you know, all of that kind of construct that you've done defensively is broken because yep. he just starts running the back four. Mm. So I think in terms of, of style, that he's a little bit of a throwback to players who maybe want to carry the ball more. Mm. Having him in field mix, I think it's a, it's a great weapon for Chelsea because, you know, how, how do you stop a guy his size when he gets going? We've seen it. You foul him and, you know, more dangerous three kicks for Chelsea, the yeah. better. Or you bounce off him alternatively. But, yeah, um, yeah or, or you just fall over, which a lot of people have found, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like you say... A good point that you made that the zonal marking or perhaps the plan goes out the window a little bit when he breaks through that first line, but yeah. then he doesn't need to go all the way. Suddenly, a different combination is available that they weren't accounting yep. for. So, um, certainly, him, um, uh, Hudson Adoy, a, a dynamic, direct winger as well, that in a different way can offer a different approach. So, both incredibly important players in that sense. Um, with. Um, Let's let's address the elephant in the room. Let's talk about Wedro. Um, is he, <laughs> is, uh, is are we gonna are we gonna have the full complement of Wedro next season, Joe? Um, I think I think it feels like it. I, I would have said if if Hudson and Doy had been fit, I think maybe one of them potentially would have gone. But mm. I think now that it looks like it, it will just be Pulisic. Um, and Wedro, then I, I don't think I can see. Uh, it's, it's so I can see <laughs> yeah, I know it, it's not the most inspiring to go from Hazard to to Wedro and Pulisic, yeah, but uh, Best yeah, Pulisic, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we saw in the final, you know, Pedro I think Pedro is yeah. is a he's a great big game player. Always mm. seems to come up with a big goal, um, and William as well came on. I think he was you know sort of okay in his sort of cameo role, but. Mm. If we are playing this volume of games again next season, you'd be a little bit, uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit apprehensive about having them starting a, such a massive volume of games mm. because it felt like this season that they would almost interchange form. You know, Pedro would have a come on as a sub, play really well, start the next game, mm. not perform. William would come on, have a good half, start the next game, not play well. And it would sort of go on and on and on. So mm. it feels a little bit like, like now that maybe you've got a good 60, 70 minute performance in either of them per game. Mm-hmm. Um, before the other one comes on, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to be difficult with with the transfer ban. But I would imagine, particularly now that that Callum is injured, yeah. I would I anticipate that both would would be here at the start of next season. I think we might see Barkley playing in the front three next season. So watch this. Not a bad shout. Mm, yeah, watch this space. Um, yeah, you know, you know, Pedro has got like a pretty darn good record for Chelsea like, I know like he's never really been amazing yeah. but I think he like averages approximately a goal contribution every other game um, yeah I know it's insane yeah yeah so I mean you know it, it, again like I don't know if anyone's ever given him grief I don't think anyone's given him grief because you know he's got his own chant um, I just yeah. think like maybe sometimes he's maybe been a bit underappreciated he's not like the, the Barcelona you know, mega player anymore, but I think he's been a decent player for Chelsea. Um, it's just like you yeah. say, you know, moving forward and in footballing current climate at the upper echelons of English football, how effective can they be to make Chelsea be where we want to be? But at the moment, we can't really whinge too much, so we have to sort of be happy. We've got the numbers really. Um, midfield, uh, we will we'll, we'll, we'll end talking about coaching, um, but midfield. 
I was of the inclination that Mount should stay out on loan under Frank Lampard, which actually might change again when we talk about coaches in a second. But um, since the Ruben injury, I sort of changed my tune a little bit. I was like, oh God, we better, yeah. we better bring him back because he's that kind of player that... Um, that can make it easier. You know, he's very talented, and he's he's absolutely an offensive threat. So, um, would you would you have Mount back at the club next season? I think I, I would have looked at this two ways. If if we had let's say pushed the, the transfer ban back by a by a window, I would have probably suggested that he go on a Premier League loan. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But now it looks like we're probably going to accept it. I, I think actually he he comes back and probably becomes a, a fairly useful player. Mm. I think a lot of people focus on Mount's qualities with the ball, um, but but what I've found fascinating, particularly um, sort of following Derby, that there's a, a guy I need to remember his name I think it's Ramsey's um he does this this fantastic championship um analytic stuff he's a Chelsea fan but he's done some really detailed stuff following Derby this season and yeah reading some of his his posts and comments and, and insights and stuff it felt that when Mount was injured for that period that Derby's Derby's oh, yeah. really really suffered oh, yeah he yeah. came back and, and like lifted the whole team didn't he yeah and, and a lot of that is is to do with with how kind of intelligent he is off the ball like his ability to to press, to kind of lead the whole pressing movement, his defensive side, his positioning, like that side of his game is so underrated. And I think that was actually, even when I was listening to sort of Jody Morris and Lampard talk about his absence, they were kind of focusing on him as, a, you know, what he does without the ball was, was mm. the biggest reason they, that they kind of dropped away, let alone the fact that he can shoot from distance. He's got, you know, he's very creative, etc. So actually having that skill set coming into Chelsea, I think that'd be very interesting because... You know, one of the things I think Chelsea are not well haven't been as great as, and then probably has has led to to some of Jorginho's kind of struggles defensively is that the guys in front of them are not that in tune with with how to play without the ball. So, mm. you know, Mount actually probably improves that area of the pitch because he is incredibly intelligent off the ball. Yeah. So, that's what I'd like. I'd like to see him come back to the club and, and and add that into midfield because yeah, you know, goals and assists fine. I think he can he can keep adding more of those to his game, but I don't I don't think at the moment. You can really coach his his kind of football IQ and his positional awareness because it, it's so advanced for someone who who is so young in his career. So that's mm. something I'd like to see uh, see be utilised at Chelsea. Yeah, very good point. Um, and before we f- finish talking about the coaching stuff, um, Tamori won Derby Player of the Year. I'd, um, yeah. I only found out a couple of days ago, and I looked at um, some of his you know numbers. Very good passing. You know, six foot one. It can be very physical. Uh, watching him in the playoff final, I think he. I've, I thought he was actually very good. Um, yeah. And he is a very good technical passing footballer. So um, I know we've got Christensen, who has got a good performance in him, and it's another academy product. Um, we've got Ampadu, who should be... Abs- well, maybe he should, maybe Ampadu should get a Premier League loan, actually. like Maybe I could see him going to maybe like a Bournemouth or something. Um, but we've got Ampadu, we've got Louise, Rudiger, Christensen. What? Just your thoughts uh, quickly on... Actually, I'll ask you about Ampadu and Tamori. What, what would you do with those two players? I think given given the football, the lack of football that Ampadu's had this season, I, I think it's paramount that he goes and play next year. Mm, yeah. um, I think most most importantly, he and probably the club actually determine where, where his position is going to be in the future. Um one of the, the knocks that I've had on Chelsea's development system over the past few years is that it, it produces a lot of kind of high-quality footballers, but they're Swiss Army knives, they're not specialists. Mm. So like Nathan Ake is a very good example of an incredibly good footballer that we produced, but Chelsea saw him as a left-back, a left-wing-back, a centre-back, and it's very hard to cement a position for yourself if you're seen as just a, uh, someone who can cover multiple positions. Mm. So 
first and foremost, the club determine if, if they see Ampadu as a centre-back or if they see him as a defensive midfielder. Mm. Once that's done, then I think that they can then look at a potential loan destination for him where he plays, obviously, in that position. Um, and, and then, yeah, for me, it, for him, it's just about playing football. I think he's, he's shown glimpses of, of quality at Chelsea, but... Now, it, it's about minutes. We've seen it with Ruben this season. The more football he plays, the better he's played. Mm, the better simple as, in the yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not rocket science. So, Ampadu should, uh, yeah, hopefully find a good Premier League loan um, and, and potentially, obviously, a, a solidified position. I personally, I like him in midfield, but I like aggressive midfielders. So, mm. that makes sense. The club may see him more as a, a kind of slightly more cultured or slightly more aggressive centre-back. But, mm. you know, find a position for him and, and stick to it because otherwise you, we're going to go in the same position that we've had with him and others where they come back to the club. They, they haven't really played a lot in midfield. He hasn't really played a lot of centre-back. Maybe someone thinks he's a right back, you know, and you're sort of in the same position. So mm. that's one thing on, on uh, Ampadu. Um, Tomori is someone that I've really, really liked. And I've liked him for a long time since he was an academy player. Um, he, for me, is very eerily reminiscent of when Chelsea first signed William Gallas. You know, yeah. he is an unbelievable athlete. And I think, again, you know, it's not sort of going down this whole pace and power route with, with, with Tomori. I've just, I just think he is like an exceptional, exceptional athlete. He's got incredible recovery speed great physicality mm. but on top of that I mean you saw probably the pass in the player final that he made that yeah, ping into the, into yeah. the area and also you know, he's got such and also I was going to say yeah. just, just what you say his his recovery speed was definitely on display and uh, in that yeah, final as well incredible. getting back yeah yeah and, and that that's the bit that used to rem- remind me of William Gallas because you know if, if Terry ever missed the header and the ball got in behind you know that Gallas was going to sweep up and, and, and sort of clean up and I think Tamori for me if you put him with an aggressive centre-back, maybe like Antonio Rudiger, who is very aggressive attacking the ball, mm. and lets him already be that sweeper, then, you know, you'd be very hard-pressed to try and see any sort of team getting behind them, because I think both Rudiger and Tamori will match most for pace. Tamori probably will match any any forward in the Premier League for pace. So, you know, he's, he's an interesting option. I, you know, still has a lot to grow. He's an incredibly young centre-back, you know, keep forgetting he is just 21 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, centre-backs are kind of, you know, JT really coming to his own in his mid-20s. Yep. So I'm looking at Tomori to sort of continue developing the mental side of his game, I think, is, is what he needs to just up his concentration and continue sort of improving on that aspect. But a little bit of a, a bit of a dark horse, I think, for someone who could potentially make an impact at Chelsea. Because, as I said, when we're not at the moment a team that's blessed with a lot of pace in the back four. Mm. You know, Alonso's not slow. Palmieri's OK, but he isn't the first choice. Rudiger is quick, um, you yeah. know, but he's, he seems to be sort of picking up quite a few injuries. So there's a little bit of touch and go there. Mm. Louise, obviously, is, is not is not quick. Aspilicueta is not is not fast. So Tomori gives you a little bit of comfort back there and a little bit of recovery speed. So he's probably one to look out for. Yeah. Would you? Would you? Would, but would you have him? Would you have him next season, or would you loan him? Or? I would. Yeah. I mean, again, transfer ban. I I bring back Kurt Zuma and I bring back Tomori. Wow. Um, Christensen, and uh, yeah, and then you've got potentially. I mean, maybe five centre backs, but you know, Tomori can cover both flanks. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot maybe, of centre backs. <laughs> Yeah, it, but you can never have defenders. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's true. Uh, on, on what you're talking and about, again, if, you go know, on. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say. I mean, you know, some some of the links we've had to certain managers. Allegri is three, that sort of thing. Maybe plays yeah. three at the back. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah just, just sort of keeping it a little bit covered there. But I, I think what, what I should say is, I think he'll be in the mix in preseason. Maybe not. You know, mm-hmm. maybe there's discussion about in the score, but but over the course of preseason, I think he'll probably get a look in. Well, I'll tell you what would make him have a a, a big chance of him getting a look in would be if we hired Frank Lampard. Now, I'm gonna 
say my opinions on it and then I want to get your sort of thoughts in sure. response. But um, we've discussed this before. Biggest dream for any, you know, proper Chelsea fan is for Frank Lampard to be a successful Chelsea manager. Um, by all accounts, what people say who have worked close to him this season, whether it be people who work in football or journalists who have spoken to him, um, or even just people have looked at his press conferences, there does seem to be something quite special about Frank. Um, uh, you know, how he deals with players, how he looks at football, how he does inspire players. You know, just look at... I know he didn't win the final, but Derby did come back. They didn't roll over the game against Leeds. Um you know, in in the difficult periods of the season, they still managed to get into the playoffs. I don't think he did amazingly domestically with Derby because I actually really rate their squad. Um, but it's his first season, um, and on that, my on so again, looking at on paper transfer ban, Jody Morris, a huge part of the um, coaching success with with the youth, and probably a huge important element in that Derby um, coaching staff it does seem like a sort of perfect storm to get them both in to sort of see Chelsea through um, mm. my, my my concerns and reservations are he is the ultimate goal for me and I feel like you want the ultimate goal to be ready in, on both the club side and the individual himself um, and for me if he turns up next season I'll be elated and terrified at the same time um, I do feel a little bit better now. We know Hazard's like said, "Yeah, I'm off," and I do feel a little bit better now. We've got a trophy and we've got Champions League football. And another thing that would make me feel a little bit better is the appointment of Petr Cech. Um, although I'm not sure how important his role would be during a transfer ban as a sporting director or whatever. But um, do you share any of my reservations? I I know you you two would love him to be back at the club, but do you think that it's a it would be a risk that if we had to sack him, he might not be able to come back, and we've wasted our Lampard chance? How, how do you feel about the whole thing? Yeah, it's it's a really tricky one. I mean, again, like if it was like a normal summer with no transfer ban, I would you know, kind of maybe err on the side of just saying let let Lampard get a little bit more experience. You know, maybe have go again with Derby. Mm. Um, think that the Derby situation is going to be a bit different next year. Maybe a lot of the lone players they've had success with will go back to their parent clubs. And I know that they've got some financial kind of fair play issues that they've yes. sort of snapped down this year as well. So, you know, there, there is that pressure that he's not going to have the same quality in the squad and, and see how he reacts. And he may not have such a, such a buzz around him next year, but just, just by the virtue of the quality of the players that he's got at, at his disposal. Yeah, um, that's a good point. It, the only thing I, I can think of really in terms of, I mean, there are loads of positives from like a sentimental and, and subjective perspective, but but objectively, if there was a transfer ban, I could see Chelsea viewing next season as a little bit of a three hit. Mm. So we have Melati and players are in the Champions League. Maybe let's take this season to, to blood some of our young players to kind of see what we've got with some of them, try and get a few of them in the squad. Um, obviously not spending any money with you know means that probably the following season we're going to have a fairly sizable amount to spend mm. um, you know a bit of a you know quote unquote war chest or whatever you want to call it yeah but just, and, just, and just, just quickly Joe just quickly if um, yeah. that war chest would be spent the following summer and if the following summer yeah. Frank doesn't win the Champions League or with the, with the kids or quite quite easily doesn't get in the top four said war chest funds would be difficult to bring the, the players we want then would, would you not agree 
Yeah, but I, I still I think the club then then have to be realistic about about the upcoming season. You know, yeah. with uh, with a transfer ban, with with the squad that we have available at the moment. I mean, you know, I've been been fairly vocal saying we probably needed maybe four, maybe five starters. You know, to come in in terms of if you wanted to go and compete with Liverpool and City next season, you know, mm. if you want to bridge the gap, then go and buy two or three players, whatever. But, mm. you know, the, the upper echelon of our ambition would maybe be going for, try and find five starting calibre players. Mm. Um, you then push existing starters and, you know, obviously the, the quality of the squad then increases. But um, if that's not going to be the case, then I think the club then obviously, they have to tailor their ambitions. You know, a, a top four finish would be, you know, fantastic if you're literally going in with what we have this season. Mm. Plus, you know, the bunch of Chelsea's academy players so yeah of course it definitely means that you know in terms of spending money on on, on players uh, of Champions League calibre maybe maybe more difficult but I, I think that's that's a reality of, of of where the club are at the moment is is you know that there looks like they're accepting this ban it looks like therefore maybe they're accepting or or you know maybe accepting uh, a lowering of, of ambition in terms of what we're meant to do next season maybe fourth is the is the goal next season just to make sure we're in the Champions League but mm. If you're bringing in Lampard during, or Lamp, you know, like a Lampard Morris, and maybe promoting Joe Edwards into this sort of, you know, triumvirate of of Chelsea kind of people with experience with the academy players and this sort of fresh ideas, then then, then maybe you've you've got to commit to to a long term strategy with them because you know first year is going to be incredibly difficult. Um, second year maybe again if if we do somehow qualify, you know, in top four, then they can go out and spend and bring in some of the players they want. But you know. Who else really is going to be able to navigate a a, a transfer ban successfully? You yeah, know, what I mean, exactly. Yeah. It, it's 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 a it's a difficult question. It's it's no you know no real slight on Sari or Conte or Arena or any of the managers that managers that we've had before. But you know, even if we've bought badly, we've still bought you know in in the summer. So um, you know, it, it's going to be a, a big gargantuan effort. I just just hope the club realise whoever's in charge of next season that, that that has to be you know well understood that, that you know maybe the ambition isn't to to win the title, you know, obviously no, it should be it saying be, it's a yeah. family don't say it already, but I mean, realistically, it's going to be tricky to, to win the league title. Um, you know, with, with, with the sort of, you know, we've, we've got a pretty old squad in general as well. So mm. we've kind of the existing squad members plus some, plus some kids. So yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a tricky one, but in so far as sort of, you know, burning, burning the Lampard card early, yeah. um, that's, it's, it's, it's such a tough call because, it is, isn't it? Yeah, that's my fear. In, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Comes in next season. Say say he does well, you know, and, and I mean, how 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 much of an impact would that have on the next generation or the next generation of Chelsea under Abramovich if mm. if Lampard comes in somehow gets a top four finish? You know, loads of young players have got loads of experience. They've got Champions League experience now. They've they've played loads of Premier League football. We know we know now that we've got maybe five or six squad players from the academy that we can rely on. Mm. You know, that means we don't have to go out and spend a load of money. So then we just go out and buy a top forward, a top winger, or maybe the top midfielder, whatever. Mm. Um, could, it could, could go really positive, but mm. you know, this is Chelsea, so <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. It's, there's a, there's a few you know, things. Clearly the worst of it, but. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it will be replacing the 49 percent. Um, of Premier League goals that Hazard's contributed to, exactly. <laughs> to get you into the top four. A little, little, little bit of a thing to, to I, I, know, yeah. I think that's another one of the less said about that, the better. Um, and a moment, a moment from your sort of, you know, potential picture that you've painted there, a, a moment's uh, silence for Gianfranco Zola. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean... I don't know what he's done this season. To yeah, be fair, I love him. I love player, him. Though. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I yeah. I I absolutely think 
Chelsea would have done better this season if just we had JT as number two instead of Zola. I feel like he could have offered. I've tweeted about this. I feel like JT could yeah. offer. You know, why not bring him in the band of Merry Men in the Chelsea? Make him, you know, in a like Solskjaer's not a very good positive example, but you know, yeah. he's got yeah. more more than a feeling on his right, Carrick on his left. What if um. What if Lampard had JT on his right, Morris on his left, or you know, do you know what I mean? That could they could have like the a sort of dream team of that. But mate, we can only speculate. I mean, um, we've we've both shared the same concerns, and and but like you say, it's Chelsea, and this season has been classic Chelsea. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably a good a good sort of segment to round off, Joe. Uh, Absolutely superb episode. Thank you for joining me on, on the roundup. Um, I urge all listeners to go and follow you. Do you want to plug your Twitter and um, and let them know, you know, I know you write sometimes whether you haven't got anything yeah. going on at the moment, but just let them know anything you'd like to plug. Yeah, so Twitter is uh, is Jay Tweedy. Just generally find me on, on most of the sort of Chelsea podcasts uh, today. Um, probably and i say this with with some uh, reservation because i'm not not normally the best at sticking to my own deadlines but i do have uh something which i actually started writing last summer because i was actually expecting hazard to maybe leave last year mm. um reflecting back on uh on eden Hazard's time at chelsea so i think actually this weekend i might uh, i might get stuck into that and hopefully find someone who will uh, who will publish it lovely that would be a great piece well um joe thanks so much for coming on mate hopefully get you on for a, for a, a couple or or more next season if you'd be happy to do that um of course yeah no problem. brilliant all right man and uh yeah up the chelsea chat to you soon mate and there we have it, the end to season one of Yannick on Chelsea. Thank you so much, everyone, for uh, tuning in and joining me on this podcast journey, I suppose you'd call it. Um, really means a lot to everyone who writes me nice messages and everything about how they've enjoyed the podcast and stuff. Obviously, a big thank you for Joe to, to coming on and joining me on this uh, finale episode. And a big thank you to all my guests, if you're listening to uh, or for coming on and helping me out on the pod and talking to me about Chelsea. Um I don't know whether I'll do some um, pods over the summer break. It doesn't look like we'll have any transfers. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thanks a lot, guys, for tuning in. It really means a lot. So, up the chills. Keep the blue flag flying high. Carefree, wherever you may be. I'll see you later. <laughs>